0: You know what, I could spend here in fellowship with each and every one of you all night long if that was God's will, amen? <laughs> all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, we're going to go ahead and open up in your Bibles to chapter 10. We're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 10. I'm sorry, we are continuing in the book of Revelation um, while Pastor Dave is gone. And is there a test is, everybody can relax. I am not a school teacher. There will be no test. It's summer break anyway, right? <laughs> Don't tell Dave I said that. Okay, so if you remember, go into the way back machines of your minds. And when Pastor Chuck taught, he taught on chapter 9. And in chapter 9, we studied and we learned about some pretty horrific things, didn't we? I mean, look at this locusts with like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Now, that's some pretty scary stuff. Amen? Yeah. You know, but there was also some really sad things. Within the scripture, at least it was really sad to me. And I want to just reread verses 20 and 21. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts you would think that after all they had been through after all they had made it through that they should have been looking up and looking to God but instead they did not repent of their works their murders their sorceries or their sexual immoralities This past Friday, June 26, 2019, nine judges decided that the rest of the nation should be forced to accept sexual immorality and to have individual states recognize and perform gay marriage. For those of us that were here on Friday, forgive my repetition. However, there is no such thing as gay marriage. For example... I went over to the uh, uh out into the foyer and I picked up my apple juice and my apple. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to drink my apple juice and my apple. What am I holding? A cookie. And what do you think this is? Coffee. Exactly. You got to say it right, coffee. Okay? No matter what you call it, you cannot deny the truth of what this is. It's the truth. God's word is the truth. And it's as simple as this those that practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of earth. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't get mad at me for if you happen to agree with what the uh, Supreme Court decision was. Get mad at God. Those are his words. Those are the things that he said. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point, but it was a sad day for this country. And although we are still free, or they said that we are still free to practice our religious beliefs, what happens when that first gay couple walks into this church and asks one of the pastors here to marry them? What happens when I'm teaching on 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10? Are we still going to go ahead and be able to do that in this country? Well, just know from this pastor that you will always get the truth. Even though them, oh, they can't handle the truth! <laughs> but that's the only thing that will be taught from this pulpit. Amen? Yes. All right. With that, let's go ahead and take a look at the truth in God's Word. But before we do, let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, here it is. You've given us an amazing chapter, Lord. we come from a very sad place. And Lord, I pray that we might just be able to take a little bit of comfort and solace in the words that you have before us now. Your truth, Lord, your word. God, you are so good. And you do bless so abundantly. And God, right now, there's nobody knocking down our doors. So as such, we are going to continue to praise you. And even if they were, we would continue to praise you. So Lord, please, Take this message, touch hearts, touch minds. And Lord know that we love you, we thank you, and it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so as you open up to chapter uh, Revelation Chapter ten, now your title or the uh, subheading on that might say The Mighty Angel and a Little Book. Now, when you first think of the Mighty Angel and a Little Book is this the picture that might have come to mind? That's that's not what you guys were thinking about. <laughs> well, the angel, the word angel just means messenger, and I'm just merely a messenger bringing the word of the truth to you. You were going way too fast. <laughs> Sign my book, press hard, four copies. (laughs) However, as we look at this, okay, um, just remember, I just talked about verses 19 and 20. The failure of God's purpose is not the last word. Remember that as we read in those chapters, in order to transcend failure and bring about repentance, human participation is required, also human suffering. Therefore, John becomes an actor in the unfolding drama as we see another angel. So, let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 1. Now, you guys are going to have to hear me all night. So, I figured I'd go ahead and see if we might be able to have an orator that is just a little bit more powerful than me. Speak some words of truth.
1: And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth for ever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, and nations, and tongues, and kings.
0: He did much better than I ever could. (laughs) So now, as we go ahead, was this maybe more the picture when we started reading about an angel that, that came to mind? Okay. Yeah, I would definitely think that was an angel, not me. Or maybe this was the picture that you came to mind. Because a lot of people, when they read this, they think that this passage is talking about Jesus. Well, why don't we go ahead and explore that notion just a little bit. So, in Revelation 10, 1-4, it says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Remember, any time that we're going to go ahead and look into the Scriptures, we need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So let's take a look at some of these passages. Could this be Jesus? Let's see. So first, Revelation 1.7. When we opened up in Revelation, here it was. John was definitely talking to Jesus. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Yes, most definitely. And in Revelation 1-7, it says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds. Well, wait a second. That last passage in 10 said that He was coming. He's closed in clouds, right? Okay. Coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, capital H, even they who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him, even so. Amen. Okay. Alright. Well, okay, now, the meter starting to lean a little bit toward Jesus. Let's see what else we have. Matthew twenty-four thirty. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There it is again. Okay, it's leaning a little bit more. Well, let's take a little bit more. Revelation 4.3. And he who sat there was like jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow about the throne. Okay, so now we have clouds. We have a rainbow. Let's see if we can piece any more to this puzzle together. Revelation 15 and 16. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun, shining. I don't know, folks. What do you think? It's really leaning that way, it's looking that way. Well, let's see if this we have more scripture. Isaiah forty two thirteen. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man, he shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. Alright, now we have the reference of roaring like a lion. All right? Come in like a lamb, out like a lion. Let's take a look at one more. Hosea eleven ten. They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion when he roars, when his sons shall come trembling from the west. I don't know, folks. That looks pretty powerful. Right? We're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. Here it is. Mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed in a cloud, face like a sun, rainbow, voice roaring like a lion? What do you think? Yes? No? I don't know? All right. We got a couple of thumbs up. We got a couple of thumbs down. All right. Let's start taking a look, a look at this scripture and breaking it apart. Okay. I saw s- still another mighty angel. All throughout the New Testament, actually, Jesus is never called an angel. Okay. And what did I tell you when we started? Okay. Angel just means messenger. Okay, That's all. But it says a mighty angel. Now, if it's not Jesus, then who could it be? Okay. Well, Gabriel was a messenger, right? But was he a mighty messenger? Ah, Michael. Michael was an archangel, right? A chief angel or a mighty angel. But he was one of many. And Michael is mentioned many times throughout The Bible, whenever it's definitely Michael. So why cover it? Cover it up right now. So, I don't know. I don't know if this is Jesus. Mighty angel coming down, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was on his head. All right, a rainbow on his head. If you remember, it said there was a rainbow about the throne of God. Okay? Okay. Now, let me ask you this. In the first kind of comical picture, you saw an officer with his ticket book, right? What was on his, uh, on his uh, sleeve? There was a patch, right? And what did it say? It said California Highway Patrol, right? Now, the commissioner, which is the highest position on the Highway Patrol, he wears a uniform. He has a patch also. It says California Highway Patrol. Was that the commissioner that was up there? No. But, just like this angel here, who had a rainbow, showing the authority from which he came from. Showing who he was associated with. Just like that officer, who he's associated with also. Okay. Starting to debunk this Jesus thing going on a little bit here. His face was like the sun. Okay, Feet like pillars pillars of fire. And he had a little book opened in his hand. Hmm, a little book, a little book. Well, that's interesting, and we're going to touch on that a little bit later. We're going to get more into that, um, because uh, anybody's Bible here say scroll? Okay, we're going to talk about that, okay? So we've got all of these things, and ultimately coming down and sealing up the seven seven voices here. Now, what's the next passage? Here it is. We go to Revelation, verse 5. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, and there should be delay no more. Now, wait a second. If we know our Bible... Jesus is coming back again, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he certainly is. Now, are we going to be around for the rapture? I love the fact that Chuck Smith always said, he goes, you know what? I am a pre tribulist. So, in other words, I believe that we are not going to have to go through the rapture. However, uh, excuse me, not, not through the rapture, but go through the, uh, the tribulation. That's good. Missed that boat. <laughs> Sailed without you, Adam. Um, Anyway, so yeah, he said he said that uh, that we were going to miss the tribulation. Okay, he said. However, though, if the tribulation starts and I'm still around, then I am a mid-trip kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) And if I have to go through the whole thing, well, I believe that we're going to be raptured at the end. (laughs) But what does what does it say in Second in Thessalonians? Jesus' second coming. Okay, see, this is where a lot of people get confused because they think that Jesus' second coming is the rapture. Okay. But it's not. Jesus' second coming is when he actually sets foot again here on this earth. Okay. Now, the rapture, he comes back, but what we see him, we go up to him, up in the air, right? We never set, he never sets foot on the earth. So this is out of context, isn't it? How could he come down in order to talk to John and hold him out the skull, let him read it, let him devour it, Um, if he actually has one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. Yeah, he doesn't come back until Revelation 19, okay? With all of his armies, with all of the saints on white horses. That's one of my favorite passages. Because you know what? That's you and me. We get to come back with him. We get to ride on the white horses. Yeah, Maybe I'll talk to Dave and he'll let me teach on Revelation 19. <laughs> so I won't get too much into that. But yes, okay? So pretty much as I was reading through, as I was doing my study, see, lots of people used to think, even our very own Pastor uh, Chuck Smith, used to think that it was Jesus that it was uh, this passage was talking about. However, when you actually start breaking it down, when you start looking and comparing, you realize that this can't be. This can't be Jesus. But it can definitely be a mighty angel. And as we look deeper into this, we're going to see some pretty awesome things. Now, uh, when we looked back and we went through uh, verses 5, here it was, if you remember, John said, who is worthy? The voice, a loud voice cried out, who is worthy um, to break the seals and open the scrolls? And the mighty angel in the presence of the scene cried that with a loud voice. Maybe this is the same angel. And do you remember? John wept because nobody was worthy. And then what, is what does the angel tell him? Don't weep. It's okay. The lamb is coming, okay? Like the roar of a lion in verse 3 it says. Okay? So we know that it's Jesus. And Jesus is the one who breaks the seal and opens the scroll. Now, is this necessarily the same scroll? Uh, there's lots of debate over that as well. Um, however, however, understand what ultimately happens. John goes ahead. He gets the opportunity to look. He gets the opportunity to read through this whole scroll. Okay? Um, and the thing that I love about this is because not only... How many people know what's in the scroll? Anyone? No, neither do I. (laughs) But the beautiful thing about it, and one of the things that I love, is like this, and also in verse 7, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. He will declare it to all his servants. And that's not the verse that I wanted to quote to you. (laughs) But, it was at the end of verse 4, I apologize, where he says, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. Guess what, folks? God's Word is incomplete. And to me, I think that's awesome. (laughs) I think that that is totally cool. Because eventually, are we going to get to find out? Yeah. And that's going to be an amazing thing. So, we go ahead and we look at the angel and we realize, yeah, this isn't Jesus. God tells him to seal things up. And you have to go ahead and sit there and wait. But That's all right. We can wait. Um, so we looked at the fact that here it was, the mighty angel was not Christ. He was standing on the sea and the land, okay, and talked all about the rapture. Now, in there, if you see, it also says here, it says that there should be delay no longer. And what's interesting is that word translated in the Greek, it's chronos, or time. And it can mean either time or delay. Delay is what it meant here. And don't we pray, thy kingdom come, right? Yeah, but where are you, Lord? And I'll tell you, after the past week's events, I ask, where are you, Lord? I'm on the way, but I have to delay. Why? Well, I think Peter gives us the answer in Second Peter uh, 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, but long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Truly, the Lord is long-suffering. People waiting for Him to receive Him, to hear the good news, to become part of the kingdom. But there's coming a time when there will be no more delay. Verse 8. Then a voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. And I will make your stomach bitter, but it will be, excuse me, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. John realizes a part of the mystery of God. It's made known to him, just like another prophet named Ezekiel. Do you guys remember that? Because in Ezekiel, uh, the voice in heaven, okay, also a mighty angel, uh, I'm sorry, um, he is also told to go ahead to take the scroll and to eat it. Now, you might be thinking, this is kind of weird, Adam. uh, Taking a scroll and devouring it and eating it. I mean, what's all that about? Now, in some of your book, some of your Bibles, it said scroll, and some of them it said book. Have you ever read a book that was so good that there's that phrase you just devoured it? You got into it. You read everything about it. That's what John did. He devoured what God had laid out in front of him. That scroll was open. That book was open, and he. Got had the opportunity to go ahead and read everything about it and devoured everything about it. That's what it means when it says he devoured that book. Now, can we also look at this from a purely uh, uh, another point of view in the fact that, hey, he really had to eat it? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Right? Most definitely. And even after reading all that, it was already open, so he could have seen what was read, and then eating it and devouring it. And it said, it will turn your stomach sour, but your mouth will be sweet as honey. The thought of eating a scroll instead of reading it, very interesting. But again, I bring you back to that devouring a book. Now, we have to know Ezekiel's story in order to understand what's going on here. Ezekiel was also told to eat the scroll. But then he was told to go and speak to the house of Israel. You can find that in Ezekiel 3 verse 1. Unlike the words, um, unlike John, Ezekiel had seen the scroll actually being unrolled. And on both sides of it, it says it was sweet as honey, Ezekiel 3.3, 3, suggesting that Ezekiel's message would be sweet to him, though bitter to his hearers. John's experience is a lot more complex. Nothing is said of sour in his side. Uh, uh, nothing is said of what is written on the scroll, but the message is as sweet as honey in John's mouth and sour in his stomach. Even though John and his fellow prophets have that sweet privilege of hearing um, and delivering God's good news, their prophecies will inevitably bring them sorrow and suffering. John knows this, for he is already a brother and companion in the suffering kingdom and patiently enduring, um, that our Jesus is coming. Remember, where is John? He's on the island of Patmos, right? Yeah. Is he patiently enduring? Oh yeah, most definitely. Okay. And why is he? It says in verse one, uh, excuse me, chapter one, verse nine in Revelation, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, <laughs> I hope and pray that we really don't ever come to that place to where we are being thrown into jail, that we are being cast out, that we are being placed on an island because of the Word of God. However, can it happen? Oh, yeah. Maybe that was some of the bitterness that John felt inside of his stomach. Because not just knowing God's Word, because, hey, When you pick up your Bible and you read your Bible and you're doing your devotions and everything along those lines, I mean, isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't it sweet? It is. It is a blessed and sweet time. But then just like when we started off, when you have to read through those verses, like verses 20 and 21, of those souls that aren't going to go ahead and turn to God, there is that sorrow, there's that bitterness also in God's Word. And it has to happen. Now, in verse 11, and he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, the, the idea of must is not really a commandment, but it's a statement of what will happen when uh, you'll have to forgive me. My notes say when on takes in the word. When one takes in the word. (laughs) Once again, it's a beautiful thing. God can use broken vessels. Amen. (laughs) How do you know when you've really heard the word? When you have compassion for the sinner and conviction of your own sin. Then why to go to Bible study? You could just all sit home and read your word, right? Yeah, sure, you guys could do that. Besides, who wants bitterness in their belly? Anybody here want bitterness in their belly? You know, we took my son out for his birthday and had all-you-can-eat sushi. All you can eat. I almost had too much. Almost. <laughs> but I did. I had bitterness in my stomach. The next day, I was just like, "Oh, I should not have eaten all that sushi." And as it was, it was wonderful going down. I'll tell you what, it was wonderful going down. But there was that bitterness in my stomach. And God's word can be like that. Um, and who wants that bitterness? I want the sweetness. Hey, you can ask my wife. One of the things I do, this is, this is my vice, I'll, I'll admit to you, this is my sin, okay? But before going to bed, I make everybody sleepy time tea, okay? And if we have it, I break open the punt, pint of ice cream, <laughs> serve myself, and watch Fox News while eating ice cream and sipping my sleepy time tea, okay? I want the sweetness. Everybody else want the sweetness too? Amen. Excellent. Good. Good. Okay. Now, do you remember the commercial? There used to be a commercial uh, a little ways back. It was by uh, Compassion International. had Sally Struthers on it. Do you guys remember that at all? Well, it was this commercial, right? And she would come on and she'd talk about, um, you know, hey, we need to be compassionate. We need to go ahead and help these children. They're starving, okay? And you would see these these poor, you know, emaciated or with the stomach sticking all the way out and everything like that. And, you know, after a point, what do you think most people did? There's the commercial again. Click, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know... (laughs) One of the things that always bugged me about this, I never changed the channel, but one of the things that always bugged me about this is, don't you think the cameraman could have given one of those kids a sandwich? I I don't know. Or, Or they were always asking me to send money, you know. I think we should have sent luggage because they were living in a desert. I could have shown them and just gone there and said, hey, look, see what this is? This is sand. Yes, this is sand. You know what it's going to be in another thousand years? It's going to be sand! You're living in a desert! Here's some luggage. Move to where there's food. But I digress. (laughs) But in all seriousness, what do we do when we see this? Click. And we just want to go ahead and shut it off. Right? Sally disappears. Kids that need our help disappear. But does the need disappear? No. But that's what people do sometimes with church. They go, you know, I I do my own Bible study at home. I don't need to come out Wednesday night. Uh, I'm just going to go to Sundays. That's all. I'm just going to go to Sundays. And then, you know, "Uh, I don't really need to go to Sundays either. You know, I'm still reading the Word mostly. And then the devotions stop in the morning. And your witnessing stops. Adam, I, I don't want to go anymore. makes my belly hurt. Click. Wednesday night, gone. Click. Sunday, gone. Click. Saturday men's breakfast. Next Saturday. Don't forget. Gone. Morning devotion gone. And what ends up happening? You don't want to deal with your sin. You don't want to deal with the attitudes, the cynicism, that uh, that person that said something mean to me at church i just i'm not going to deal with that i just want the sweet stuff and how many churches nowadays throughout this country that's what they preach they just preach the sweet stuff right yeah give me the milk give me the honey okay. but when it gets to the harder sections oh we're going to go on to something else we'll just skip right over that but you know what that's god's word too the bitterness And those people that go ahead and go, click, what ends up happening to them? Their lives begin to unravel. Unravel because staying in God's word is the only way to experience prosperity and success. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe and do according to all things that is written. For then you will make your ways prosperous and then you will have good success. Yes, it will trouble you. No doubt, maybe upset you. But as time goes on, you will begin to see that your life is centered and grounded, fruitful and prosperous because the word always works. Amen? Amen. So my prayer tonight, my prayer tonight is that we will be like John. That we will devour our scriptures. The bitter portions, as well as the sweet. We would be just like John. So that we would impact the world For his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, you bless so much. And God, here it is. We've gone through this chapter, and God, there are things that are sweet, and there are things that are bitter. God, it's just as we look at the tribulation, we know how bitter that's going to be, how difficult it's going to be. Lord, we know it when we see loved ones, Lord, family members, that are lost in this world, that will have to go through these times. And Lord, it pains us. It is bitter in our stomach. But Lord, there's also the sweetness that goes along with it. God, just the fact that here it is, we get to spend eternity with You. Not because of anything we did, but because of Your righteous Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You. We love You. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.